silence, please. Welcome to MIA, Mixed in America. I am your host, Damian Dorn, a.k.a. Mr. Green Bay. This is the show where you go to hear truth, facts, and experience from black to white, exposing the gray area behind the stereotypes of America. All right, welcome back to Mixed in America. My name is Damian Dorn and I am your host. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about cultural awareness, cultural bias, and cultural ignorance. All right, all right. What's up, y'all? What's up, what's up? Oh, man, we got a special episode today. This is Mixed in America, where everything is not so black and white, and we discuss the gray area. And um, if you've been tuning in, you heard some pretty interesting episodes in the past. Uh, This is episode number five, and this guest I have on today is, uh, in my opinion, one of the most distinguished gentlemen that I've had the pleasure of meeting, Mr. Muhammad Bey. How you doing, man? I'm blessed. I'm I'm very happy to be here, and I appreciate the introduction, brother. Absolutely, absolutely. Tell us uh, where you're from, um, what you do, what's your specialty, what you went to school for, where you went to school, and uh, we'll take off from there. A little bit about myself. I am from the city of Chicago, South Side and North Side, so two, uh, two individuals, South fan and also Cubs fan. I've been involved in higher education for, uh, I would say, about 16 years or so. Worked my way up through the ranks, worked in different divisions, really always doing multicultural diversity work. And I'm currently the Chief Officer for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Northeast Wisconsin Technical College. I'm also heavily engaged at the local level as far as working with organizations around training, but then doing consulting around organizational development. Nice. Through a DEI approach. And then at the national level, I'm engaged with the National Conference on Race and Ethnicity, uh, one of their advisory councils, and just I do things for other organizations around the country as well. So I would say my background is heavily around higher education. Before How You Read, I also spent some time in manufacturing, okay. uh, working at Chilton Products, the Cola Company, and some other oh, wow. organizations as well. So I, you know, I bring a little mix to the table as far right. as individuals working with their hands. I like your wordplay there, you mix, look, mixed in America, yo, mixed, yo. I like that. All right now, a little mix to uh-huh. the table, working with my hands, but then also taking putting the, the uh, theory that, that the theories that we learned in higher education to practice. That's awesome. And, you know, just those accolades alone um, will kind of let our listeners know why I, why I specifically reached out to you for this particular topic today. And, um, you know, this topic being cultural awareness, cultural bias and cultural ignorance. Um, now, you told us about your professional um, a little bit about your personal that I know um, you are a multicultural home. Yes, uh, I do. My wife and I have been married for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. My wife identifies as white. We also have four kids. We have mm-hmm. two boys, two girls. Obviously, everyone is biracial and my kids identify from a race ethnicity standpoint. It's it's, it's all up to them and what they choose. Right. We also have a child that has a rare genetic disorder. Mm. Uh, man, there are about 8000 people in the country that have it. And it's been a it's, it's been a whirlwind for us to understand what she needs from wow. an equity standpoint. And then to be able to provide her that one-on-one attention, all of us in the family. Individually to, yep, and to, collectively. To help her grow. Wow. And she's, it's, it's been a life-changing experience. I mean, it, it, there's Talking so many, about being the glue of the family. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right? Very, very much so. 
and, and, and there are so many other levels I can hit on a personal sure. from a personal note. But I mean, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. But yeah. I do have a colorful background. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I do, too. And, you know, a lot of my listeners learn more about me on every episode. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that they learn that I've expounded my uh, vision and scope. Uh, from what I used to be to what I uh, inspired to be by this conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you so much for introducing yourself and letting our listeners know exactly who they're listening to, because I think that's important, right? Um, there's so much fake news out there. You know, there's so much information out there. And, you know, my tag, my tag phrase is not life isn't so black and white. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole oh, yeah. lot of gray area, yeah. but we don't talk about that gray area mm -hmm. on a major, right? So I appreciate that. And I really, it's really important to me that my listeners know that I'm bringing them substance, right? Because it's not me that I want them to listen to, so to speak. Um, but it's just, I'm just a conduit. Mm -hmm. So um, cultural awareness, um, you know, let's start off with, you, you got to start off with your household, right? Mm -hmm. So being a multicultural home, mm -hmm. how do you bring cultural awareness to your household? And then we'll transition into what your experience was lack thereof in the community. So great question and awesome way to kick off the conversation. And let me just say that inclusion is, is, is about all greatness. Mm. Um, or organizations and people talk about inclusion, but they don't really want it. So mm. in my mind, inclusion means you have Trump supporters and you have supporters for uh, President Biden all at the table talking about their differences. And that table is all of theirs to sit down at and to engage. I am not here to have people drink from the same pitcher of Kool-Aid. Right. And whatever type of drink you need to quench your thirst, that's absolutely fine. And that's really how we do it in my family. Wow. Uh, I would say that we are all diverse in our thinking. Mm -hmm. We are all diverse in our experiences. So from a cultural awareness standpoint, it's about understanding who we are as individuals and how we show up in this multicultural family. My wife comes from a two-parent household. I come from a household where my mother raised us primarily. Mm -hmm. I come from a household of tragedy, of trauma. Mm -hmm. I come from a household of strong black women, no men. Right. I come from a household uh, where gang violence was was, was prevalent, mm -hmm. uh, where my mother worked two or three jobs to, to keep the roof over our head, and, and, and my wife comes from something different. Right. From stability, from a father that was always on the go, working, showing up for sporting events, Providing. doing things like that, mm -hmm. but she had a concrete mother figure in her life that was there she also has a large family mm -hmm. i did not and we were more small it was three mm -hmm. of us but one of them was primarily always in the streets yeah. so it, it, it's it's that mix that my wife and i bring to the table and when it comes to our kids um i have always wanted them to be culturally aware of what blackness means and then sure. also what does whiteness means Mm -hmm. um, for them because they have this dichotomy that they live in. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's their choice which path or what they take in and what they what they hold on to. I'm not trying to say mine is better than my wife's. Right. Uh, she has equal footing on this too. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, it's it's understanding our backgrounds, the way that we raise our kids plays and plays a part from a cultural standpoint the way that i kick it with my sons and my mm -hmm. daughters and how i talk to them is different than how my wife talks to them at times sure and uh it's naturally on ongoing conversation absolutely and i love that and man wow talking about painting a good picture um i think let's let's not overlook the fact that you guys been married 20 years mm -hmm. and anybody that knows that's not normal in today's society okay yes. 
Um, so bravo to that. Thank you. So Not that, easy. No, but that's culture, but, but that's the epitome <laughs> of cultural awareness, right? Like you guys both mm-hmm. are culturally aware enough to understand each other's differences, mm-hmm. but appreciate each other's similarities. And I think that's what a lot of listeners should probably take heed to is that you should be different, mm-hmm. right? Everybody is different. We don't all don't have the same thumbprint. Um, you spoke a little bit about um, how you allow your kids to uh, self-identify. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm a multicultural person myself. My mom was white. My dad was black. But I always resonated black because of racial tendencies of my mom's side of the family. When I went to my mom's side of the family, I didn't feel welcomed. When I went to my dad's side of the family, it was a party. And they opened armed and fed me and hugged me and pinched my cheeks and all those things that granny and aunties used to do on my dad's side. So it wasn't until recently where I just said, you know what, I'm mixed. Mm. You know, um, probably about two, three years ago, I just decided I wasn't going to put a color label on myself. Um, I'm mixed. And with being mixed comes some diabolical um, uh, uh, issues that you have to deal with because uh, one of my episodes is you're not white enough and not black enough mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some situations where maybe your kids might have gone through that perhaps or some instances that you might have seen that in the city or might have seen that up here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, cultural awareness at home, is it different outside the home? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very, very much so. And, and you have witnessed on many occasions, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I I just want to say that how I'll use my my uh, two sons as as an example of uh, the way that they the way that they self-identify themselves. They lean more black. OK, but I have a feeling and based on the conversations that I've had with them, it's because they've been called a nigger mm. and all the negativity that has come with their darker skin has led to how they see themselves in society. Wow. It hasn't been positive. And so. And, and how old are your boys? My boys are 17 and 14. Okay, and so they've been through it. My 17 year old was first called the N word now. I'll just preface it, mm-hmm. that, preface it that way when he was in first grade. And I remember the damage that that did to him. As a first grader, trying to wrap his head around what that word means, all he knew was that it hurt and he cried and he could not understand why. And my 14 year old, when we were living in, uh, the Green Bay area, because right now we live in De Pere, when one of some kids on the street called him an N-word, like, like, don't play with that over there. Wow. And I remember him coming into the house and telling me this. So I, what we have done is been working to unpack the harm that has been done to our kids because of the way that they look, because of bullying, being, being black boys mm-hmm. in a school, top athletes. Mm-hmm. Kids don't like that. Mm-hmm. Kids have been sticking sticking together here, mm-hmm. you know, grew up with each other. And you got these two kids coming in and just running the show and kids not really welcoming that. So we've done a lot of repair and trying to get our kids on the path to understand that that trauma, it shapes you, but you can rise above it. And how you come out on the end, we're going to be here to support you. We're not here to tell you that you're right or wrong for how you identify. We're just trying to unpack and put you back together and get you ready for the next battle, get you ready for the next step. So cultural awareness and the home, we can facilitate it. Outside, it's pretty much fair game, but we are are really true on the fact that the foundation that we've made for our kids is what's going to help them navigate uh, life. Because again, my wife brings a perspective that I don't always see. 
Mm-hmm. I've been able to be successful in this world of whiteness, mm-hmm. in a quote-unquote white man's world, as Tupac I, quoted. If you're a fashion model, fashion designer, artist, or a small business, and you're looking to showcase your skills, talents, or services, reach out to April Abib and let Adamore Entertainment handle all your services needs. I've learned to navigate it, and she has a different lens as someone who hasn't been exposed but this, that's her world, mm-hmm. and it wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. So being able to merge those two and to lay a foundation, it's... I think yeah, it's beautiful. It's I cool. think it's poetry. You know, I do. And that's coming from a, a mixed kid, you know. Um, I think it's hard to deal with people who aren't aware culturally. Oh, yeah. Right? And this area is full of that. Mm-hmm. But this area is also full of biases, too, cultural biases, you know. Um, and righteously so, Right. If I was all white, raised by all white family, knowing all white history, mm-hmm. I would feel pretty prestige myself, superior myself, just off of the information that I've learned. But then I go out to school or I go on a field trip or I, a, a black kid moves into the neighborhood or whatever it may be, now I'm exposed to something other than what my parents were teaching me, mm-hmm. other than what the school books are teaching me, mm-hmm. other than what I see on TV or hear on the radio. Now, as a, a, a white kid, I, I do have some biases that I have to fight through. Did you, obviously, I, I would assume this, and I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming because I know I shouldn't and I'm going to do it anyway to play devil's <laughs> advocate, but I'm assuming that when you moved to this area, and how long has it been? Eight, almost eight years. Okay, so you've been eight years. Okay, so you're fairly fresh. So, <laughs> so, even, so even in eight, in the last eight years, how how much cultural bias did you have to cut through in your position? Because you are an advocate for culture, period, in my opinion. So let me just preface by saying bias is a natural thing. It's something that the mind does, and we learn to navigate society as human beings. So mm-hmm. I cannot absolutely fault people at that. At but all. what I can hold people accountable is for when you put something out there on the table and you point it out to them and then they don't continue the educational journey. Mm. I've had more acceptance here than I did in Fond du Lac. Okay. And my mother who relocated from Fond du Lac to move up here has can echo the same thing. So I'll compare those two areas. Nice. Pretty much night and day. Uh, Even though I I spent a long time south of here, a long time, uh, a long time. Okay. <laughs> and so did my mother. When she moved up here, she said it was like a breath of fresh air. Wow. Now, in that context. That's refreshing. Thank you for saying that. In Appreciate that context, that. there's still work to be done. Mm-hmm. And from organizations, like what's, what's beautiful now, what you have out here is people asking questions. And society has had these incidences of murders of black men, of interactions with law enforcement, of interactions with people who are different, who are moving in here, of demographic changing in Brown County, all this stuff. The browning of Brown County is Dr. Eddie Moore Jr. quotes. You have people asking questions, organizations poking their nose up and listening to, hey, this DEI stuff, diversity, equity, and inclusion, I need to pay a little bit more attention to this because Mm -hmm. it's going to impact the retention and recruitment from an organizational standpoint. You still have community folks here who I would say aren't understanding of it, and I'm not going to fault them. Right. I'm personally not because sometimes I grew up in a predominantly black area in Chicago on the south side. 
I didn't know anything about white people. Right. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know anything about that. All I knew was blackness. And in mm-hmm. that blackness, I was able to shape my identity and understand. It wasn't until I got outside of that that I knew life outside of black folks existed. It wasn't until my mother moved me to the Northwest side and I was the first black kid in a Catholic school in the inner city of Chicago, mm. a school full of whites, Mexicans, and Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And we were sitting here watching, I remember in eighth grade watching Alex Haley's Roots and every and when they when uh the Kunta Kinte got his foot cut off mm-hmm. and called and the broken and he was changed his name to Toby. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the classroom was looking at me and my eighth grade teacher apologizes. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know why y'all apologizing. And mind you, I had just started at that school. It was like sixth grade. So I went from once one upbringing, one environment to this multicultural environment. People are speaking Spanish, uh, white kids, all these things. I had to try to figure out who I was and to adapt and to understand. And my grandmother would say, no matter what you do, you still stand out like a fly in a bowl of farina. So learn how to navigate the system. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I mean, you brought up a lot of cultural um, ignorance in that statement, too. You know, um, and obviously, OK, for, for the listeners out there, look, ignorance is just not knowing. OK, like, let's just be honest. Um, I didn't know about Muslim um, culture until I had a Muslim friend. Yeah. Okay, so yes. I was literally religiously ignorant, yes. right? I didn't know that they're so kind. Like, but the news would tell me otherwise. And so I think that happens with color of skin too. Absolutely. You know, I think people are just ignorant in the fact that, hey, you just don't know what you don't know, but don't be so biased mm-hmm. to not accept another, another person's culture, another body of people's culture. Um, we all like Chinese food, but how many of us have Chinese friends? We like the exchange. We like the exchange, right? We all eat Mexican food. The exchange. Right, but how many of us have Mexican friends Mm -hmm. where we actually learn their culture and get to know their culture? Um, Man, so... Let me me jump in on that point. Go ahead, please. If you don't mind. No, absolutely. What's beautiful about here that I've been able to witness, I get paid to do this. People need to be motivated to take advantage of all this stuff that's here in this community. You have powwows by the Oneida Nation happening. Right. You have the Hmong New Year that are happening, right. that, that happen every year. You have Juneteenth celebrations that happen when we all rise and other types of organizations. So my, my part about the accountability is that no one in this community should not get out and engage. No mm. one can tell me that, hey, I couldn't make it to X, Y, and Z, or I didn't know about this population because there's so much that's free out here. Mm. And that's the that's the piece that I want, I would hope that this community starts to see. Right. As white folks who are living in the city of Green Bay continue to move on the outskirts because of how the dynamics are changing from a demographic standpoint, mm-hmm. that does not excuse you from not engaging with these free events that are happening so you can begin to understand the community that, is growing here. The Latinx community, the black community, the smaller community, the native community, which has been here before all of us, mm-hmm. still here, and what they do from an art standpoint. So there's so much free services out here that no one should be able, shouldn't be able to engage. And and that for me helps with the bias. Because until you understand and replace that bias that you have with a the positive with knowledge. Yes, then you're gonna continue to perpetuate that behavior. Right. And that so again, that's my account my accountability piece and my call to action for folks. Thank you. There are no excuses. There and, isn't. and with the university systems that are out here putting out stuff, no excuses anymore. 
No, and, and I agree with you. And I'm so grateful uh, that you mentioned that because I can say it's on blue in the face, but I'm, I'm, my history is a little bit different than yours, you know? So um, I like the fact that I came to college at 40 some years old, um, got my head rocked about who I wasn't, you know, honestly, um, intro to psychology, college 101, um, intro to ethics, intro to diversity, you know, these classes rocked my world in the sense that, wow, here I thought I was alone, right? Ignorance, cultural ignorance, right? Like there's nobody like me cause I'm mixed. Okay. Nobody understands me cause I'm mixed. Um, you know, my white friends talk to me about my black friends, my black friends talk to me about my white friends and I just have to hold all this energy in. And I just, and I learned that I don't have to, Yes. you know, I learned that I can be mixed. I yes. can be who I am. I can, you know, I can have my slang and my pronunciation in the same sentence. Right. right? Yes. I can do that. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, having resources and educating the ignorant is probably what this podcast is all about. To be honest, I'm not here to judge nobody. You know, we all have different thumbprints. We all have different heartbeats. Um, what do you think it should be the main focus from anybody who wants to make a difference? Like, you know, because I know some really, really cool white people. I know some really, really cool black people. And I know some not so cool on both sides. But I know people, I have this, I just had this conversation with a couple of my coworkers here in college. And I said, listen, it's time for good people to stop being silent. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's just my that's just my opinion coming from a bad place. Like I come from the dark side of the world. Right now I crossed over and I'm into the good side of the world. And I'm just like, man, all y'all people are so awesome. Why are y'all so quiet? What do you think about that statement? I like that call to action. I, before I answer, I just want to preference and say my heart always goes out to biracial, multiracial individuals, because on, even on college and university campuses, we have a black student union a Latinx student club, uh, Asian student club. And when I was at the University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh, uh, we started the biracial club. Nice. Because the students were telling me that I, I, don't, I didn't feel at home in the black student union and I didn't feel at home in this student club. So I'm like, yo, just start your own. You make, this is your world. Do what makes you happy. You're not offending anyone. You're finding your voice. And so to go back to your question, people need to find their voice and nice. find their lane and figure out like those good people, how can they contribute and how can they chip away at making a difference? And for me, I love to come together because there's so, so much subjective thoughts around what this should be and what that should be. And we don't really know what people are thinking until we actually come together and, and, and talk. So the more we can get together, break bread, whatever it is, attend events, but listen to each other and engage, that helps to break down the, the bias and that subjective thinking that people often will leave some, um, a, a, an event with. Beautiful thing that we can all do is communicate with each other. I agree. And I, I, when you said good people speaking up, I mean that. And I think that's that what beautiful. it's about. Thanks, Mohammed. I yeah. think that's what it's about. Like, I really think, you know, coming from my background, I think you share some of this, too. And you'll probably agree with me. There was no safe space in the hood. I, I, yes. I couldn't tell you how I felt. I'm just being honest. As a man, if you hurt my feelings, mm -hmm. I either had to bite my tongue. Holding in 
or we were going to fight. So I learned safe spaces and I learned safe spaces simply because I have a son who's 13 now and he changed my life because I wanted to be different for him. And he's the first person that I created a safe space Mm -hmm. with. And I, and it works, you know, when somebody has the permission to speak freely without repercussion or reprimand, Yes, you'll be surprised what you learn from that crucial conversation. And I hope whoever's listening to this from any corporate level that you're on, any, any profession that you're in, any lifestyle doesn't matter white black anywhere anywhere in between foreign or domestic it does not matter old young you said it find your voice create a safe place and speak up i think that's it i do, I, I, I think that's it right i do that with my kids uh uncensored conversations that need to happen and i need i'm, I'm just talking about my boys especially sure. my oldest son right absolutely now. 17 um, about to be a man trying to give him the opportunity to air what's on his mind and not get so tripped up about being respectful to me sometimes i'm just like son just let it out scream yes. say what you have to say don't forget i'm your father right. but say what you have to say and be who you need to be in this moment of time to get your feelings out. And I'm just going to be quiet over here and I'm just going to listen. Mm-hmm. And we've had some difficult exchanges that have led to uh, hugs and tears mm-hmm. in the end because he just needed the voice in a non-judgmental environment. Mm-hmm. That's why he goes to his friends. You know, he, he, he tells them things that he doesn't tell us because he knows that we're going to judge him. And so right. my wife and I are, are navigating this when we want him to come to us But to be who he is, Mm -hmm. if you are doing something that we're going to frown upon, look, I want you to tell me. I'm going to do my best not to yell at you, not to uh, leap at you, not to Mm -hmm. do whatever. I just need to listen. This is where you are coming to me, and this is how you're coming to me, and I need to be okay with that. And organizations need to be able to do that as well to foster a healthy environment and authenticity and belonging in employees. I agree. And do you believe that from your employment experience that organizations are at that point? No, I think there's a lot of risk. Wow, that was a quick no. No, there's a lot of risk. And people need to understand what belonging is. Belonging is the fact that I can show up at NWTC with my history, with the fact that I used to be a gang member, all these things, and I can go out here and I can talk about my past and help motivate people in any way, shape, or form. I'm not really concerned about the repercussions that are going to happen here mm-hmm. at this organization because I'm out here talking about myself in the community. Mm-hmm. They hired me. They need to know who I am. I can talk slang when I want to. I can be who I want to. Mm-hmm. I can rap in front of the college if I wanted to. I mm-hmm. can break dance over here. I can still mm-hmm. be components of my identity in this setting. Not, or, not all organizations are there because they are about the results. That nine to five, that eight to four, whatever hours you work, what are you accomplishing? And then you get out into the parking lot and then you be who you are. Right. But, but coming here, back here, this is what you're going to do. Right. And I can bring my whole self for the most part. I'm always observing. Or you're censored. You know, yeah. I mean, we filter. Yep, yep, yep. Because, you know, I, I'm not trying to lose my job and stuff no. like that. Or friends. <laughs> yes. Um, to all my people out there, you know, this is Mixed in America. Muhammad, um, what's next for you? I am moving on down to Carroll University in Waukesha, Wisconsin, to take the role of vice president for institutional inclusion, their inaugural position. 
I'm very much excited to get back into the four-year realm uh, to take what I've learned from a two-year perspective and then to see if some of what I've learned can apply to the four-year realm. And what's, what's, what's beautiful about that is what I was missing was the whole student experience or the on-campus experience and to be able to watch students such as yourself grow over the course of time. And I've been able to watch you grow. It's, it's almost from afar because of my role at the, at, at the uh, college right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can do. And I'm very thankful for the time that I've had here at NWTC and all the other places that I've worked. And now it's on to the next chapter. Absolutely. And righteously so. And I'm excited for you, Mohammed Bay. Where can um, people link with you on LinkedIn? Or uh, do you have any type of website or anything like that yeah, for people? Just, if they want to book you for a speaking engagement or anything of that nature? Just find me on LinkedIn. Mohammed.Bay. I don't know what the address is. Uh, <laughs> but you can, you can hit me up that way or you can just Google me. Mohammed Bay at NWTC or just Mohammed Bay. Something's going to pop. Awesome. And I'm sure you'd be willing to speak to anybody's organization. Yeah, absolutely. Not free, but yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mohammed. Um, this is This has been, a, yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been a pleasure. Um, you guys have been listening to Mixed in America, where life is not black and white, and we discuss the gray area. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. I am Damian Dorn. Peace. Life is not so black and white. And there is too much gray area not to talk about it. Thank you for listening. Look forward to having you back next time as we discuss truth, facts, and experience exposing the gray areas and stereotypes behind America herself. Go out there and get your education. Get rid of some of those cultural awareness. Uh, get cultural aware. Get rid of some of those biases. Get rid of some of those ignorances that you have. Um, and just be willing to move forward. Uh, we, we definitely going to touch some topics that, you know, might provoke thought. Um, maybe some research on your part. Maybe you know, reach out to your neighbor and, you know, say hello if you never said hello to your neighbor, no matter their color, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I guarantee that wherever you live, you don't know the five houses that surround you. 